0: Thank you for tuning in to Bible Storming Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, our aim is to help you be intentional in how you think about the Bible. It is more than just reading the words. It is about diving deep into the text. So let's study together. Here is your host, Daniel Webster.
1: What is up Bible Stormers and welcome back to the podcast. It is your your host Daniel Webster and I'm joined today once again by my good friend Johnny Royal. And and Johnny, I've had you on for for the past couple episodes, I think the past two episodes, and I really haven't asked you to introduce yourself. I just kind of just realized that. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, just give us like a, a really quick like, we don't care that much about you, but just a little bit, like, let us know a little bit about kind of what you do with your life and, and why you're here talking about uh, what you're talking about on a podcast called the Bible Storing Podcast. Just give us a little bit of an intro to you.
2: Yeah, man. Well, uh, to start backwards with the way that you asked that stuff, <laughs> I don't really know why you asked me to do this. I know that's fair, just that's as... Fair little as the next guy on a topic like the nature of jesus like that is such a a rich topic and actually we had a phone call earlier and i think i told you that that we could spend 10 years every night talking about this topic honestly and and uh, not have a perfect knowledge of the nature of jesus
1: and never sleep but as
2: far (laughs) yeah right as far as who's i am uh as far as who I am, <laughs> who's I, is? Uh, I sound like, I sound like Dr. Seuss for a minute. Uh, <laughs> Sam, I you sound am. like me but when I try to as, preach,
1: man. Th-
2: that's how I preach too, bro. <laughs> as far as who I am, uh, I'm just a Christian man. And, uh, I've been blessed to have the opportunity, uh, and doors opened up to me to be a preacher of the gospel. Uh, and so I get to do that full time and, that's awesome.
1: uh,
2: yeah, I'm a lucky dude. So
1: man, it's the best job on earth. And I I don't know why anybody hired us, um, but it's it's a blessing. <laughs> However, it happened. Okay, so we're there we're just glad be to a have shortage you on. out there. Yeah, apparently so. Um, but yeah, we're just we're just glad to have you, man. We're here talking through the incarnation, trying to to figure out this big word, this big concept, and it's not easy, right? But <laughs> what we're right now, we're kind of diving into the deep end a little bit. We've we've been in the shallows, kind of wading around putting a little putting some fence posts down just kind of hanging out but now we're about to about to dive in deep about to (laughs) about to get in over our heads for sure we're we're pretty pretty tall guy you're tall aren't you
2: Uh, random question I'm shorter than you i'm I'm like i'm like six foot
1: okay that's what i was thinking like i when you're like i don't know i don't really notice height but i i thought you were like pretty tall based on like our basketball games and stuff that we've played Um, so anyways, we're we're definitely gonna be in over our heads. I don't know about like Yao Ming or somebody like that, but (laughs) um But like where we're going today is gonna be it's gonna be fun. So just to kind of catch you up, like this is if you're just joining us for the first time, this is the third part of a three part series that we've been doing on the incarnation of Jesus, of of his becoming flesh. So we've we've kind of just been talking through this in the first episode, kind of just talked through some some fence posts that we wanted to lay down or that we see in in the New Testament as uh as kind of guidelines for we want to stay within those because the Bible makes those very clear. And so we're like we said, we're we're wading into some deep waters today. So we want to make sure that. In those waters, where it's a little bit more confusing, a little bit harder to to figure out some things, we stay within those fence posts, so we laid those down, and then kind of in the last episode, the main thing we did was laid out some contradictions, so just a spoiler alert, and Johnny will probably talk about this more in just a minute. I'll ask you to. um, but two of the fence posts were that Jesus was both God and human at the same time. but in the last episode, we laid out several contradictions, at least seeming contradictions between the natures of God, the divine nature, and the human nature. So if you haven't listened to the first two parts, you're going to want to do that. So go back and and listen to those if you haven't yet. But if you have, then you're in the right place. And we're going to start today with building a a possible model. And I want to emphasize the, the word possible before we even talk about a model or anything like that. Just talk about how important the word possible is because no one on earth can know exactly how God did this, right? Uh, all we need to do, though, all we're trying to do is to present a model that, that makes sense, both biblically and logically, one that solves the dilemma that we're facing because we're searching for truth, right? But then also people like Muslims and secularists and and other people, cultists, will point to this apparent dilemma, that these apparent contradictions in the natures of Jesus and God or of, of humans and God and use it as evidence against the, the truth the traditional view of Jesus. So this is this is really important, but all we're trying to do in, in doing this and building this possible model of, of how the incarnation worked is to say that at least there is one possible way that this worked. And so then we can present that to the critic and say, hey, even if this isn't exactly how it worked, because nobody can know, we can know that it at least is possible. So we kind of laid that groundwork, and now we're going to build off of that and start um. Start building our model. So, Johnny, if you don't mind, kind of recap the fence post for us, just so we know very quickly um, what what we're dealing with, where we're starting at.
2: Yeah. So I think we've talked about the fence post every episode. In the very first episode, we got into um, like we we showed some verses for each fence post. But I think more now, just for time's sake, we're just going to mention them. Right. And so the point of the fence post is that okay. We're we're trying to both establish a proper view of our faith, and like, like you said, to be able to defend our faith against those of of um, other religions and secularists and 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 those types of folks. And so where that starts with is from the scriptures, and we'll talk more about being biblically consistent in a moment. But we have to start with principles that are clear in Scripture about the nature of Jesus. And that's where these fence posts come up. Uh, and so he was God, was the first one that we mentioned. He was manned in the same body and at the same time. Mm.
1: So those, those fence posts, are um, they sound great coming from a, a traditional Christian background, right? But right. The, the, the problem is how? <laughs> how yeah. is it possible?
2: So, so the, the fence posts are simple, but where we get into the problem is the implications like, right. Okay, so it's straightforward from the text, but how how is Jesus God and man? Like how are those two things not contradictory to each other after right. all of those things that we talked about in the Dude, last episode? Dude,
1: that's that I mean that is the billion dollar question because the two natures seem like like they can't coexist in one person at one time. But we're saying that they did in Jesus, right? And, and that he is the only being in history in the history of anything to, to have two natures of any kind in one body, which gives us some idea of, of the complexity and, and really in large part, the guesswork that's required in talking about something. Well, I was going to say talking about something like this, but but there is quite literally nothing else <laughs> like this, right? So, yeah, so how? Unique. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is that is the word. This This is the one and only case in the history of anything.
2: Yeah. And so we, uh, I want to say we understand God's nature, you know, when really that's, that's just to understand God, even before wow, what the a, incarnation what a discussion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, then we're really good. I think at understanding what it means to be human, you know, that's our existence, but like you said, Jesus is unique. And so I think we really need to, to give some thought to the way that we model the incarnation. And so in addition to these fence posts, the way that we model this has to be logically coherent. Uh, it, it has to to make sense. It's not the case that we can just blindly um, accept contradiction and, and say, you know, this doesn't, this, these two things are opposite, but they're true because my religion says it's true, because I want it to <laughs> right. be true. Uh, and, and at the same case, uh, it has to be biblically consistent. If, if we're making these claims from the Scripture, they have to line up with Scripture. And so it has to line up with Scripture and also make sense in order to be just a valid proposition. That's the way that, that uh, logic and, and Scripture work when we're trying mm-hmm. to make a point or prove a doctrine.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so with that in mind, let's go ahead and, and start building a model um, for the incarnation on top of what we've talked about so far. So for the first kind of plank, I guess, in the model, um, the first thing we want to build off of is the idea, this is this is a theory, you know, we said possible model that at least has to be compatible with the Bible and with logic, but it's a theory that the Logos was Jesus' soul. So to kind of unpack that for just, just a minute before we kind of dive in. So by Logos, we mean the, the eternal um, person of Jesus, the, the, the person whom we know as, as Jesus, the, the spirit, the Logos. He existed before Jesus, the person and that we think of existed. I'm, I know this is confusing, but hopefully you're getting the point where the Logos, the spirit, was the, the person, Jesus' soul. Now this, this helps us to answer the problem of how you can have two natures in one person without that person being two people. Right, Because it seems like if you have two natures, you, you have to be more than one person. But there has to be something in common with those two natures that that unites them in the one person, I think. So it, it seems to me that the most logical connection between the two natures is this one. That that much like our body is fused to our soul, Jesus' body was fused to the, to the Logos, to that spirit, God is spirit, John 4.24. So, that is the human nature of Christ. That, that's what makes him human. The, the body-soul combination. That's what makes us human. We are a body and a soul. Now, how does this work? Would that not make it to where Jesus was, was merely taking on, not, not humanity, but, but animality? Because, because animals have bodies too, right? So, so if, if his humanity was just about having a body, he wouldn't truly be human. If it was just a spirit taking on a body, he wouldn't really be human. And if he wasn't really human, then how could he have redeemed us by being the perfect sacrifice in our place? Now, those are important questions, but, but I think the answer lies, at least in part, back in Genesis 1 and verse 27, where it tells us that God made humans in his image. Now, what does that mean? I think there are so many implications to that, but one thing we can say is that that can't be a reference to our physical bodies, right because number one, God is spirit, he, he doesn't have a physical form and number two, animals also have a physical body so they weren't created in the image of God, but we were, and we both have physical bodies, so it can't be that so no we're, we're made in the image of God, not because of our our physical bodies, but in that as, as persons, we reflect god's nature in, in a way that nothing else does because God himself is personal. He he has a volition. He has self-will. He's self-conscious. He's self-aware. So in that we are persons, in that we have all of those things as well, we resemble God. We reflect his nature. We, we are made in his image. So God, and therefore the Logos, already had everything he needed to become a human besides a body. Okay, just be very careful. Listen, listen to that very carefully. I'm not saying that he was human before he came to earth because the Bible does not teach that. But he had everything he had to have in order to become human besides a physical body. So not only
2: I think the, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, man, my bad. But I think the distinction is that you know there's there's only a few options that Jesus was a man just like we are, that he was God. That kind of looked. Like man, uh, or I guess what some might say is that he was a separate entity altogether, where he wasn't God, but he was a created being, and, and he also wasn't man. He was like this in between. But what the Bible teaches, and I think uh, it's, it's what you're probably explaining much better than I can, is that the word became flesh. Like that's the picture mm, yeah. in John 1 14. And so if the word became flesh, there's something about Jesus that is God and there's something about Jesus that is man. And so how do we put those ideas together other than that, okay, the, his body portion can't be God, but his spirit portion can. That's, that's how that's how you have God becoming flesh.
1: Right, like the second person of the Godhead didn't cease to exist when he became human. He, he was still God. He still existed just like he had for eternity, but he took on a, a new relation to mankind. I think we talked about that in... in uh, either the first or second part of the series. So it wasn't that he he stopped existing, it's that he he changed form. And so kind of what I what I was getting at is is that um like like I said he had everything that he needed to be human besides a body. So not only was he the image of God as Paul tells us in, in Colossians 1:15. So when he was in heaven, he also was the the architect the, the prototype of humankind. Okay, the, the image of humankind, because we were made in his image. So w- when the Logos incarnated, w- when the Logos took on flesh, became flesh, John says, John 1, 14. Now when that happened, Jesus, the, the one self-conscious person, possessed complete divine and human natures. And, and he did that, and at least on this model, by having the Logos be his soul. Just like our souls are fused to our body, the Logos was fused to his body. Now, that helps us to explain something that can be very hard to understand, and that is the diophysitic nature of Christ. Now, that's a big word. It just means that he has two natures, like we've been talking about. That's a very hard thing to understand. Hopefully, what we've been talking about has helped you kind of start to grasp that. It's helped me somewhat start to somewhat grasp it. Um, I use somewhat Somewhat. there twice on purpose because it's a big concept. But this, this idea of his having two natures, I think, is the key to answering the question of how it is uh, uh, that he could have two natures. The, the very fact that he does is the beginning of the answer, the key to the answer of explaining how. Since Jesus has two natures, things can be true of one nature that are not true of the other nature, and then vice versa. So in that way, they are true of the person, Jesus, even if they're not true of one of his natures. So the divine nature of Jesus as a spirit couldn't get hungry, right? A spirit can't hunger for physical food, but his human nature could. And so he was hungry, Matthew 4.2, Matthew 21.18, and other passages. And so we can also say that if one nature of Jesus does something, we say that Jesus himself did it. So Jesus can say, I'm hungry, even though his divine nature, of course, wasn't hungry. Now, there, there are many uh, examples in Scripture that demonstrate this reality, and, and I'll, I'm just going to point one out very quickly, and then I'll toss it back to you, Johnny, for, for any thoughts that you have. So one example that kind of illustrates this is John eight fifty eight. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, Jesus' human nature didn't exist before Abraham. It was his divine nature, right? Only one of his natures existed before Abraham did. But since Jesus is one person, he could say that before Abraham was, he was. He could say that what was true of, one of his na- what, what, what was true of one of his natures, what one of his natures did, the person Jesus also did.
2: Yeah so I would just say, you know in, in the summary and what that means for us is what's true of one of his natures is true of his person. and so what it's going to boil down to is when, when we're talking about contradictions or at least things that seem like contradictions mm-hmm. is these are going to be things that are true of one nature. And so th- there are things that are true of God and there are things that are true of man. And so what does that mean for Jesus who has both natures that, that both things can be true in respect to those respective natures?
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's a great question. I I was just thinking like, let's just walk down the list. Right. So we had like yeah. a, a list of, of contradictions in the, the last episode. So let's just walk down the list and see how this idea of the diophysitic nature of Christ can help us think through these things. So first, let's think about omnipresence. So how can Jesus be both omnipresent and confined to a body at the same time? Because a body is at a specific point in space, right? But omnipresence, the whole point of it, is, is not being limited to a specific point in space. So, to, to answer really the question, we have to ask, what is omnipresence? And that's, that's a question, that's a big question, and it's, it's for another episode. Right. But for now, we'll define it as being aware of and causally active at every point in space. Okay? Being aware of and causally active at every point in space. So, God is that. And Jesus was that with respect to his divine nature, while also being limited in his awareness and his activeness in his human nature. Now, we also pointed out the, the nature of being, how God is spirit and Jesus is flesh. It seems to be a contradiction. But this one is, is really simple to explain. If the Logos served, and I think served is the right word, if the Logos served as Jesus' soul, almost, where the divine part never ceased to be spirit. That's what we said, that the Logos never ceased to exist. He, he never stopped being who he was in terms of he he's, he never ceased to be spirit, that spirit merely tacked on a physical body, just like our souls. Our our souls don't stop existing when their body dies, right? Our our souls keep on going. And so that kind of so explains this this apparent contradiction at least. Okay, so another apparent contradiction that we have is that no human has ever truly seen God, first John four twelve, and they still haven't. Now, maybe the closest is the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, but those who encountered Jesus on earth saw his human nature. They saw his body. They didn't see the divine nature, the spirit. Now, what about the immutability or versus the adaptability? So those are big words. It just means that God does not change. But Jesus became a man, to use John's terminology in John 1.14. So, so how do we make sense of this? God doesn't change, but the Logos apparently changed. Now, this one is, is less about the two natures and more about how we understand the word became. You know, we've kind, we've kind of talked about this, hinted at it, um, but like two years ago, when, when my sister had her first child, I became an uncle for the very first time, and I didn't change, right? So like nothing about me inherently changed, but a new relation was now ascribable to me. So I became an uncle. That doesn't mean that I changed, but a new relation was ascribable to me. So that's not a perfect illustration, but I think it is a good one. The, the Logos added humanity onto himself. And, and this is where we, we go back to the two natures. His divine nature didn't change. God didn't turn into something else. But And, and this is why I think the, the uncle illustration is a, a good one, at least. That same essence, that same being took on a new relation to humanity, so he became flesh. The two natures helps us understand that. It also helps us understand the, the fact that God cannot die, but Jesus did. And, and this is where we really go back to the two natures. Jesus died with respect to his human nature. the The divine nature of Jesus didn't die, but we can still say that the person Jesus died. And because of that, his divine nature somehow tasted something of what it was like to die. And I wish we could stop here and just think about that, because what a thought. But anyways, just just in building this model, trying to understand yeah. these things, that helps us to understand that. Um, here's, an, here's actually an extra one that I, I thought of. Well, we didn't talk about as a contradiction in the last one, but omnipotence. So God is omnipotent. God has all power, but Jesus was limited in strength. So how do we explain this? Well, he was omnipotent in his divine nature, limited in strength in his human nature. One uh, other one that we pointed out: the divine will and the human will. Jesus seemed to have two different wills when he was on Earth. Well, that makes sense if if you have a divine nature and a human nature. And really, <laughs> this is kind of congruent with us. Like we oftentimes have competing wills, right? Where we have, like, as Christians, we'll have the we, we don't have a divine nature in us like Jesus did or anything like that, but. We have the side of us that's that's pulling to do what's right sometimes if we're like we if we're being tempted. We have the side of us that's that's willing to do what God wants us to do, then we maybe have the the side that's willing to do what we want to do well that's I think that's kind of congruent, not the same thing, but just a, a little bit congruent to help us understand how Jesus could have two wills at the same time. And I think his is even easier to understand because of the two natures which he possessed. Now, another one that we pointed out is is moral perfection. So God is God is morally perfect, but Hebrews 5, 8, 9 says that Jesus became perfect while on earth. Well, with respect to his human nature, he became perfect. So the the person Jesus could be said to be perfect or being to be made perfect. So one of the last ones that we talked about was spiritual status with Jesus. Like, like there seems to be different statuses that people possess on like an an ultimate scale almost. And um, so at the same time, and we pointed out scriptures in in the last episode, but it seems like at the same time, Jesus was greater than and lesser than the angels. So how did that work? Well, the two natures helps us to explain that, right? Where at least possibly, and and maybe you can comment on that, um, Jesus was at the same time Greater than the angels with respect to his divine nature and lesser than the angels with respect to his human nature. So it's it's kind of weird, but I think the the two natures helps us to understand and at least in a way that it could be possible, right? And like it's not yeah. definite, but possible.
2: Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction. Possible basically means, you know, able to be done is 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 it are we able to reconcile these things in that light not necessarily even to mean plausible or probable which means that's the way that it, that it seems or that's the way that it is and so i mentioned that because it isn't possible <laughs> for us to to even know with a 100% certainty exactly how the incarnation worked oh absolutely the only burden that we have is to show a possibility of the way that it worked.
1: Right. And I think that's, that's super important to remember because when, when you dive into a subject like this, a subject that's so deep and, and confusing, it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in, in your way of thinking about it where my way is the way. like, And, and we might not even say this. like My way is the only way this could have happened. We might, not, we might not say that. We might not even think it, but I think it, it can kind of creep into your mind in kind of a subconscious type way where it's like, I've thought a whole lot about this and, you know, I'm pretty sure this is it <laughs> when in reality, there's, I mean, there's just no way to know. And so we want to be really careful not to, you know, to sound arrogant or, uh, or close minded or anything like that, or trying to put other people down or anything. Yeah. Um, we're just, you know, trying to say something like, you know, we, we see this in the Bible we think it's logically possible. So, you know, it, it's possible, maybe even probable, but you know, that's just that's just our um logic trying to reason through this.
2: Yeah, and I think that's why it's important uh that we and hopefully if if you're trying to to incorporate a model of of the incarnation into your own mind, it's important that we start with the fence posts because oh, yeah. those are the things that those aren't possible or probable. They are. The fence posts are just things that are true. And so we're trying to figure out a model of the incarnation that that aligns, that's possible in light of these fence posts.
1: Exactly. And I mean, like second John tells us, like, if you don't hold to the fence post, then at least like the first two fence posts and really by implication that the second two as well, um, if you don't hold to those, like you're not in fellowship with God, you're not in fellowship with his people. So those are super important to remember and we just want to make sure that we don't leave those, you know? And, and I think thinking about that and thinking about the defense the post and the, the probability versus possibility, all that, all that, we, that we just talked about is especially important when we talk about this, this last one, which is, was Jesus tempted? Well, James says that God cannot be tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says that Jesus was tempted. So, we know that Jesus was God and man. Well, how does this work? Well, we can explain this with the idea of his two natures. He was tempted with respect to his human nature and not with his, with respect to his divine nature. But because one nature was doing the action, we might say, you, the the person Jesus could be said to do that action, to be tempted. So the the idea of the two natures seems to explain several of the contradictions, almost all of them. But there's, there's one in particular that is, is a little bit tougher to explain.
2: Yeah, and that's, and that's funny because those seem really difficult, and those are the easy ones compared yeah. to, to, uh-huh. to some of the other things, like like omniscience, and I think that's what you're referring yep, to. Yeah,
1: that's the one.
2: Because that's another one. It's, it's how can one person, because that's all these are, are, are both natures still belong to the one person of Jesus. And so even though it's true that the human nature doesn't the a person that holds the human nature doesn't have to know everything and can't know everything and a person that holds to the divine nature is omniscient if if a person has both those natures can it, can it be possible even to know all things and be omniscient and yet be a man that doesn't know all things they they, they just it almost seems like do they fit that even that two model or excuse me that that two nature model Can can it be that you can be omniscient and yet not have everything in your conscience mind?
1: That's a tough question, and we're going to answer it next week, or we're going to try to. (laughs) So this is a little teaser. Come back next week, and we're going to talk through the omniscience of Jesus and how Mark 13, 32, Jesus didn't know the day or hour of his second coming, but God did. So how does that work if Jesus is God? So come back next week, and we're going to talk through that. We hope to see you there. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Bible Storming Podcast. If you haven't yet, remember to hit that subscribe button. Give us a, give us a like. Give us a rating. Uh, do whatever you can. We're just trying to get the word out to help other people hear about the good news about Jesus, the best news that they will ever hear, the best news that we will ever hear. So thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then.